Welcome back to the Dad in the Rock Podcast 2020. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we're uh, we're here again. It's a new year. Yeah, new year, new, uh, well, new nothing, really. New year, just, and we're just talking about the same thing we the, did last year. When. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, you know. You know the rabbit holes we like going down. Yeah, so Chris and I, we were talking, and, uh, you know, we mentioned last episode, and you guys, if you can't tell already, uh, he and I can talk Star Wars all day, every day, and just go on and on. So there were a bunch of things that we um, wanted to bring up last time around, and we just, uh, you know, it would have been an extra long two-hour episode. Uh, So we just decided to do a part two today and discuss some of the things in Rise of Skywalker that we missed last time around. Yeah, and if I understand right, you actually just got back from seeing it again, haven't you? I did. It was a little bit impromptu. It was kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, my friend hit me up with a text uh, a few hours before we left. And uh, yeah, so I just got out of the theater maybe an hour ago, seeing it for the second time. Nice. So it's a lot fresher in your head than it is mine. I've had a lot of things happen between uh, when it first released and now that it's kind of stopped me from going back to the theater. Yeah. uh, I still think it's pretty fresh in there and I can't wait to go and uh, see it again so that I'm going out of town here shortly. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it more the second time around. I think, you know, the first time when you see it, you're just anticipating so many things that, that are in your head. Uh, you know, for instance, I was waiting to see a Force Ghost Anakin, <laughs> and it never happened. Um, so I didn't have those uh, preclusions this time around where I just kind of let the movie be the movie and hear dialogue I didn't hear the first time around. And, uh, boy, I really I really enjoyed it second time around. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, once again, like you always said about the you know the past ones as well, let it bake a little bit, and you'll kind of you enjoy it more. You know, the more times you watch it. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know if you're listening to these back to back. I guess we'll just go right into it here and uh, talk a little bit about um, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, the final chapter of the Skywalker saga. Um, yeah, this is gonna be full of spoilers as well. So oh, I mean, yeah. I, I guess if you wanted to see it in a movie, you've already seen it by now. But if you haven't seen it, I just want to give everyone's a heads up. We're gonna be talking about what's happened, you know, during the movie itself. Oh yeah, heavy spoilers. So uh, the first thing I, I think you know, you and I wanted to discuss was, was Ray being Palpatine's granddaughter. Once again, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, after three movies where that was kind of a, a big mystery. Um, even from The Force Awakens, the very beginning. Um, how do you feel about her uh, being related to Palpatine? I don't mind it. But then again, I would have not had any problem with them left her being a girl from nowhere. You know, her being no one insignificant. Just being another Force-sensitive type person that was stronger in the Force than, than say, others. But uh, the connection with how strong she was and... Basically, going back to a comment that Luke made when he was, uh, basically, he it scared her. Her her power was something he's only seen one other time before, and he said he wasn't scared by it that time. So that connection right there, I I'll, I'll go with it. Like I said, I have no issue with it. I mean, it, like it could have gone either way for me, and I'd have been fine with either of them. Yeah, that was one of the points of contention that people kind of didn't care for in this movie. That maybe liked that aspect of the Last Jedi. Um, it's so funny because it's like there are a ton of people who like one thing in The Last Jedi and don't like that reversal in this new movie and like vice versa, things that they didn't like in The Last Jedi and they love the reversal in this movie. Um, so it's kind of tough to, I, you know, I like it all. Um, but um, yeah, in The Last Jedi, I mean, they kind of 
they kind of play with that idea that she comes from nowhere. Her her parents were just uh, you know these uh, junk dealers that uh, were high up on spice and, and sold her for a profit. And um, and you know it even ends with the shot of the uh, the broom boy no- notoriously as a kind of a sign of hope um, that uh, there are others out there with with the force. And then you know this one of course it just links her again, kind of shrinks the universe a bit, with, which people kind of don't care for. Um, but, uh, I actually, yeah, I'm with you. I like it, especially, you know, the second time around, I just noticed, you know, essentially we have the force, uh, kind of nestled into these beings that have the most power. I mean, Palpatine, of course, was uber powerful. I mean, he had to be to keep under the radar. I mean, he would just walk around in the Jedi temple surrounded by hundreds of Jedi, including Yoda and Mace Windu. And they wouldn't, they didn't know anything. <laughs> they had no idea. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty dang powerful. And then, of course, you know, they even say it. You know, Palpatine, I, I am all the Sith. Ray says, I am all the Jedi. And uh, it's like the Force coming together to finally bring balance to itself. Um, dark side and light side. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I liked it. Yeah, I roll with it. I mean, I was kind of, when it first happened, I was kind of more like, whoa! It, it caught me way off guard. Yeah, so we find out which one of the actual, her parents, is a Palpatine, and it being her father... Uh, I mean, even with it being her father, I mean, the name Palpatine at that point, at, I mean, it really may not have been a whole lot. If they were in you know, an outer rim, if they were out there on Jakku, what does Palpatine really mean to them? Right. So, I mean, at that point, I mean, they could even said she was a Palpatine, and she could have still been a girl from nowhere, from nothing. Yeah. So that, that both those stories could still be true, with even with that last name. Yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoy... Uh, you know the force it's a, it's a living thing it ebbs and flows right and it i feel like it picks participants to really kind of flow through um you can be disconnected from the force and you can also be like way connected to the force d- depending on what you're going through like when obi-wan and yoda go in hiding they still have a tendril of connection to the force but they really kind of hone it down as to not be like this beacon you know they they want to be in hiding right yeah cause um, they're out there hunting down all the jedi they want to be able to basically lower their profile yeah versus you know versus an anakin skywalker in the prime of the clone wars versus luke skywalker as he decides to um, take on his father and the emperor at the same time you know versus ray who at this point like once again decides to head to the sith homeworld and, and finally defeat defeat palpatine like i feel like the force picks and chooses its moments and it's 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 guardians it's jedi it's sith where the force will just flow through those characters like no other time that they even have access to it so you'll have moments where the Emperor is able to bring down an entire fleet with his Sith lightning, and you'll have moments where Rey is able to just, you know, back, you know, battle the Emperor with two lightsabers, and it's not just the lightsabers that, uh, you know, keep his Force lightning away, it's it's the user, it's Rey, like, the Force is flowing through her at that t- point. Um, a lot of folks have these apprehensions about, uh, oh, whether they're too powerful, or this is just crazy, or and a lot of people, you know, were, were complaining on how powerful Rey was, throughout this uh, you know most of this trilogy but when you when you really think back of it and in the terms of like well you know this is the force at work working through these people to get this thing done to finally bring balance to itself um i mean it makes more sense to me anyway yeah but i would agree with that the force kind of picks and chooses who's it's going with who's gonna be more powerful than others yeah and uh 
And then they, not only who's more powerful, they got to learn how to use it as well. If they had, I mean, they can be as, as powerful as they want to be with the force. Right. But if they got absolutely no comprehension on how to how to use it, it's useless. Yeah. And that's I mean when it comes down to I mean we look at here I mean there's a, an actual clip actually in the movie where it shows uh, Ray kind of running through the forest, kind of doing a training and everything, and then she refers to Leia as master. Right, and I think that caught a lot of people off guard as well. Because when did when did Leia become a Jedi Master? And I don't think she really ever did. I think it was just a term no. of endearment. That's kind of yeah. how I think Ray was using. That's how I interpreted it. It was just oh, a, okay. a just just a term of endearment on how she how she used it. And Leia knows the Force. She kind of just with her interactions with Luke, uh, it showed her briefly training with Luke to be a Jedi, yeah, and then but- she backed off. Yeah, that, that scene where they did some uh, de-aging to Mark Hamill and, and Carrie Fisher. I'm assuming that Carrie, Mark Hamill's de-aging looked a lot better than Carrie Fisher's, so I'm assuming maybe they just did some CG for Carrie Fisher's young face. She was a little off. Her eyes looked kind of weird. But uh, it was cool to see Luke and Leia post-Return of the Jedi training and Leia essentially being Luke's Padawan, at least for a turn. Um, but even Luke's voiceover it, during that scene, it you know, it's the last time that she wields that lightsaber. It's kind of the point where she decides not to complete her training and to focus more on being being the person that the New Republic needs her to be. Yeah, rather than being another Jedi, being more of a general, a politician. Right. Uh, which, uh, which in, in the books and everything, she has purposely done. She feels like they need that more than another Jedi, knowing that Luke was able to you know carry that on. Yeah, with a family name, she can go the other direction and be the be essentially be the balance. You have a warrior, and then you have the other person who, who's trying to bring the peace. Yeah, and at the same time, I mean, it's thirty years, right? And her twin brother, who you know, you know how close they are from the original trilogy. Her twin brother is the the Jedi, the guy in the you the galaxy who's who's training. Of course, she's going to pick up pick up some tips and tricks and, and powers along the way to to a sister. Um, if you can figure out how to sit on the couch and get a drink without moving, hell yeah. <laughs> Just kind of force grab it. <laughs> yeah, or, or marry your poppins your way through space back onto a ship. You know? Yeah, no one needs to know you really know how to do this stuff. If you know how to do it you know, internally, eh, who really cares? <laughs> yeah, so I never have an issue with that. I actually liked it quite a bit with, uh, with Leia kind of um, training her in the ways of the Force, but a lot of that, I mean, you know, Yoda wasn't doing flips and stuff with Luke either. It was all words. It was all getting her to think a certain way, right? Yeah. And, of course, Leia would be able to do that. Yeah, trying to become one with the Force, and you kind of see her do that when she's kind of just uh, hovering there trying to channel the Force, and she, yeah. says she can't hear anything, and they all, <laughs> she falls. But uh, that goes right. I mean, even with running through the forest part of it, it goes to basically what Obi-Wan was doing with Luke. Blast her down, and they were firing bullets at her. And she was supposed yeah. to sense it, you know, kind of hit him with her, her lightsaber uh, to go ahead and kind of avoid any type of damage. So, yeah, a lot of it actually goes back to what Yoda was doing with Luke on Dagobah. So there's a lot of similarities, and I think that's true about you know, this, this whole three movies compared to the original three. Yeah, and let's t- talk about Leia um, in this movie and what they did to bring Carrie Fisher back. Um, I mean, because, you know, famously, uh, Carrie Fisher passed away just about a week after The Last Jedi was released in theaters uh, a couple years ago, and uh, followed by her, her mother, uh, Debbie Reynolds, close after. Uh, you know, it was a big shock to everybody, and uh, they had to work their way around that to, to bring her back in this film. 
and they promised that they weren't going to do some CG layover where they're going to, you know, put her face over somebody else or anything. Uh, basically, what they did, they took some unused footage, some clips, some deleted scenes from the other two movies, mostly The Force Awakens, uh, to kind of add her into this film and write dialogue around those scenes that would fit. Um, how do you think, you know, did it feel complete like Leia was an actual part of the story? If I didn't know she passed, I would have had absolutely no idea. Yeah. I felt they did a magnificent job with that. When being able to still have her being a main part of the actual movie. Right. And her actually not physically being on set when it took place. Yeah. So I thought they, they did a great I mean they did kind of gloss over that, you know, CG thing when they did the de aging thing, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna gripe about that. That had no. really nothing to do. That was gonna be there regardless, I've had a feeling. Yeah, I think so too. But uh yeah, I mean that was that was it was fun. I had no no problem with it. Definitely after they actually show her pass. Right. And then they actually no longer needed to see her face in there. It was just basically her body. Right. And then yeah. you see her become one with the force, kinda like you see Obi Wan and uh, Yoda. Yeah, as far as I, I gotta agree with the stuff with Carrie Fisher and bringing her back into this film as Leia. I mean, Leia is integral to the plot of this film, and I really enjoyed. You know, I always kind of assumed maybe she would be the head of some ship and make some sacrifice during a battle or something. Um, you know, being the general Leia, but she really passed away as you know Leia Organa, as uh, the daughter of Anakin Skywalker, as the mother of uh, Ben Solo. You know, which was probably most precious to her. So for her to go out and sacrificing herself that way to finally reach um ben you know her son and and break that kylo ren mold right i think that was uh, totally appropriate yeah she went out as the motherly figure not the general or politician right uh that she's been portrayed in prior books and movies and everything so she went out more of a a loving type character which which is fitting i mean that's kind of the way that these movies were going it's kind of almost the way that they were they were portraying her throughout these three movies as more of a, more of a motherly figure. Even with, uh, even with Poe, yeah, it was she was harsh, more harsh love with him, yeah. but more of that motherly figure. Even though she was a general, it was more like, hey, stupid, yeah, type, you know, tough love type things, which falls right along with the way her character was. And I, I mean, I loved her character in this movie. I thought it, I thought it was done really, really well. Yeah, and uh, I mean, when Maz Kanata says goodbye, princess, when she finally passes and they cover in that white sheet, it's just like, I mean, it's it's very emotional, especially considering Carrie Fisher passed away, and we all kind of felt those feelings when she really um, passed. But um, I, I do have to bring up, you know, the second viewing, I actually noticed the shot, the shot of her underneath the white sheet, um, and then the shot, um, R2-D2 is right next to her, and he's kind of in profile. Leia's on the left, and R2 is on the right. It's almost a mirror image of that shot of her actually loading R2 with the Obi-Wan message, you know, in that oh, hallway, the Death Star, with her no covered way. in the, her, her whole outfit is the white, sh- kind of a white sheet, you know, that goes over her, yeah. and uh, her white dress. And, you know, because R2 is in that same position where you only see him in profile. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was just like I just noticed that the shot was almost exactly the same, except, you know, she's still in a white sheet, but she's in a white sheet. She's not kneeling in front of him, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was, then that's definitely an homage. Oh, yeah. It's it's one of those things things like that. Yeah. Yeah, little things like that you you pick up the second time around, which made this uh, viewing a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, I'm not. Now I really can't wait to go see it again. But yeah. <laughs> but let's let's talk about the lightsabers because yes. I mean, Luke always had his lightsaber. We've seen his lightsaber. Um, he used 
Anakin's own lightsaber. So he really didn't... At the beginning, he didn't have his own lightsaber. Right. Uh, Leia apparently has one. But when did she go ahead and obtain her kyber crystal? Or was it one of those ones that was uh, synthetic? So was it not not a true kyber crystal that was actually giving her the blade on the actual lightsaber? So where did Leia get her actual kyber crystal from did she go ahead and go to ilum to go ahead and get it herself where all the the younglings go and it's kind of part of their training to obtain it uh because i mean you can't just get any it basically talks to you and you pick the one that is in line with what you are right or i mean or is it synthetic a lot of them after the empire took over because ilum was basically farmed for its kyber crystals a lot of the actual lightsabers were synthetic crystals. A lot of Sith lightsabers are synthetic crystals. They're not real uh, kyber crystals that are you know, forming these blades. It's a good question, um, and I think, you know, like a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie and the original trilogy and the prequels, there are so many stories to tell in between these movies. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, like I said earlier, you got 30 years of time between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I did hear a rumor this week that got me really excited. I don't know if this is true at all, so take this with a grain of salt, but it just made sense to me. They, What I heard is that they're planning on doing a new animated show um, I heard two rumors. One, they're doing an animated show that's going to be a sequel to Rebels. And two, an, uh, they're doing an animated show where it actually tells the tale of Luke post-Return of the Jedi going around the galaxy and trying his best to start the Jedi Order, you know, voiced by Mark Hamill, which is perfect because, I mean, that's what he does on the side. When he's not Luke Skywalker, he's voicing cartoon characters. So um, I would love to see an animated show like that, honestly. I may fall on the other side of that. Uh, I'm, I want to be done with the Skywalkers. Yeah. I, I mean, if you want more of that, I mean, I guess you can always go into the the Marvel comics, which are launching, you know, the continuation of things right. in between. But when it comes to TV shows, when it comes to cartoons, I mean, I loved Rebels, and as much as I did, now I'll put it this way. I'll put this disclaimer out there: if either of them come to pass. I'll be watching. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I, I can't get enough Star Wars. But even with Rebels, as much as I love that show, the time frame it took place in, I think we know enough about that time frame. Yeah. So I, I really kind of want something way in the future. I don't, even, I don't even want stuff in the past, because honestly, stuff in the past, if you, it's only time before a lot of this Legends stuff that you know Disney went ahead and basically canned is going to slowly become you know canon again. And we kind of already see proof of that happening. Right. So, I mean, what we don't have is what has happened, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 years in the future. And what that's really going to be, that's going to be all Disney. It's like, okay, this what they're going to have, if they want anything Force user-wise, it's all going to be based off of the foundation of Rey. Because right. Because she, she's going to be the beginning, the rebuilding of what's going on unless I mean they, they try to reach out to something's happening out in wild space and other you know force users groups that aren't Jedi that don't use lightsabers which I mean we've seen that on Dathomir yeah so I mean I, I, I would like to see that because I mean one of the, the main scenes at the end of it was her lighting up her lightsaber right and we really don't know how much time there was between Exegol and then when she's actually back on Tantooine burying Luke and Leia's uh, uh, lightsabers. Yeah. And once again, I mean, we're back to that whole question. Where did she get her 
actual kyber crystal. I mean, granted, if you're going around, you could probably sense it and it'll probably bring you to where you need to go to get it. Because it's probably not, Illum's probably not the only planet that has it. They were probably the most widely found on that planet. Right. But, uh, I mean, the big thing was that yellow. And the yellow kind of, the yellow kind of made me happy. Yeah, it was the uh, first time we've seen anything other than purple, green, blue, or red on uh, on a movie. Yeah, so I, I started kind of digging into it. Because we've seen yellow before. And really, the only ones that use it were the Jedi Sentinels. Yeah. So I was kind of looking at it. I mean, it's basically who honed their, their skills between combat and scholarly. So they're not one or the other. So basically, you have three different types of Jedi. You have your counselors, you have your guardians, and then you have your sentinels. Yeah, counselors are green traditionally, right? Uh, yes. And the guardians are the blue sabers. Yes. So, I mean, and that's one of the reasons why Yoda was, was green. He was right. more of a, a counselor. Yeah. And, but I was always wondering, like, you know what, he wouldn't, based on the description of what the sentinel is, I was always thinking, you know what, I can see Yoda's as yellow. But I think, aesthetically wise, green, green, <laughs> green little guy. Yeah, it, it just it makes fit. sense. <laughs> but I mean, it's something that, if that's the case, and basically the Kyber Crystal and, and her knowledge of the Force becomes her becoming a sentinel. Basically, that's saying the other two branches of this Jedi uh, balance right. may not even exist any longer. Because if she trains everyone in the Sentinel ways, the balance between, you know, Counselor and Guardian, Yellow may become the new norm. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've seen Yellow, um, you know, there were those few episodes in Rebels where Kanan fought uh, those Jedi Guardians in sort of like a Force vision, right? Uh, and that was the first time I'd seen it in kind of the new canon. But um, I think Yellow Blades uh, played a, a larger role in, in some of the games, like the Knights of the Old Republic and, you know, some of the old school stuff, uh, which Disney may be exploring here soon. So um, I think you're right. I think a Yellow Blade just means uh, kind of a, a return to the old ways, but also like uh, forging a new path for, for Rey and, and future Jedi. Yeah, and they were also protectors of the Jedi Temple, which uh, I think they they need to be fired. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they failed miserably against... Uh, Against Anakin before he yeah. became Vader, I mean, he must have sliced and diced those guys up. <laughs> well, where where were they? Maybe they got the pink slip before uh, Revenge of the Sith. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Notoriously, they had a uh, double bladed sabers. They were they went all Darth Maul style on them, and boy, <laughs> that didn't even help them any. No. Uh, speaking of which, do you think Ray's um, new lightsaber is double sided, considering she did much better uh, with a staff than she ever did with Luke's blade? I don't think we can rule it out. We only seen her light one side. Right. Both sides don't mean need to be lit at, at all times. And seeing that it is yellow, and the Sentinels have used, are known to use double bladed sabers. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it, the possibility is there. I mean, it won't be the first time we've seen it actually, in, you know, cinematically because we've seen it with Darth Maul. Right. And then we also kind of seen it in that uh, that Force vision she had with the red one. Yeah. That kind of got snapped. So I mean. I honestly think it would be awesome. Just like you were saying, she's just so badass with that that the actual uh, staff she has. 
uh, this would basically uh, make her very difficult to defeat. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think um, that's a no-brainer. they got to do that. But, um, I mean, sticking with the topic of Rey, we, we did see a, a few new things from her this time around that we didn't see in other movies. Uh, we actually were first introduced to it, um, spoiler alert, for The Mandalorian. <laughs> we saw Baby Yoda do this. Um, the power of force healing. Uh, which well, I mentioned before, I thought Obi-Wan kind of did that with Luke in the first movie, but we see it like, you know, uh, we see a lot of it this movie, and we see it in action. We see wounds, you know, stitch themselves together as the Force flows through them. She breathes deep, and uh, you hear every echo of her, her, her breath, and uh, she explains it as kind of her transferring her life energy over to, you know, the wound and to the person who needs it. Um, how did you feel about uh, seeing this power in the movie? I had no problem about it. I mean, like you were saying, it was basically revealed in The Mandalorian just not even four days prior. Yeah, days. <laughs> yeah, before the movie was released. So they kind of gave people a heads up, hey, this is possible. Seeing Baby Yoda do it, it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, having her being able to do it, I mean, it's... With them putting her to the level of basically saying she has this strong power in the Force, it didn't surprise me that it, it happened. Now, the level of it happening is as often as it did. I thought it was a little, come on, let's it's rain this in a little bit. But, I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, this is way, you know, way new. And let's not go ahead walking around like, you know, like Jesus kind of you know, putting your hands on everybody and healing them. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little, um, you know, if the Jedi can just heal themselves and keep moving, you know, a lot. It kind of makes them a little, they, it becomes a Superman problem, right, where they just become a little bit boring. There's no drama there. Um, and it raises some questions, you know, about Obi-Wan maybe not being able to do that with Qui-Gon in, in The Phantom Menace. Like, hmm, okay. Uh, now that you've opened up that plot hole, like, uh, why wasn't that the case back then? But, um, you know, we see it. I, I don't mind it. Um, and I think I mentioned it on The Mandalorian. I don't mind it as long as you see that it takes a lot of Force energy to get that done. Um, they explain that pretty well just with Baby Yoda's interactions and how he pretty much passes out after he does it each time on that show uh, but ray um she kind of does it and just moves on and she's she's fine now i guess i can chalk that up to being like we talked about earlier her just being a vessel of the force during this time and it's just kind of flowing through her at uh, you know 110 <laughs> percent so I, I guess i could just in my own head canon um forgive it yeah i mean in reality i have got no issue with it we like i said we've seen it on the mandalorian prior went into this i didn't expect to see it actually in the movie but once i seen it i recognized it from prior and i think i almost felt like i seen it before the mandalorian and it must have been something that was just kind of connecting on my head what you were saying with obi-wan but uh no issue no issue really at all uh, you know of how that actually went down yeah, it's funny, you know, ever since we've seen this um, power in action, I've actually watched A New Hope um, over the, the holiday week there, and during that scene, I mean, you see it, uh, he scares the Tusken Raiders away, and you can assume that uh, he got knocked the F out by those Tusken Raiders. I mean, Luke, you know, he was just a farm boy against a bunch of <laughs> Tusken Raiders. He probably got knocked out pretty good, if not really, really injured. It's surprising. Oh, yeah, you know, he was maybe... laying on his back, kind of like the Mandalorian was after his running with a... Uh... Where the jaw was. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he kind of does his thing. He puts his hands on um, Luke's forehead. And, you know, Luke, he sits up and he kind of rolls his eyes like he's <laughs> like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and Obi-Wan's like, rest easy, son. You've had a busy day. And uh, I, I totally, in my head, that's exactly what Obi-Wan did to, to help him out of that. Yeah, and that's, that's a, 
I don't think I want Disney to rely on fans like us to to draw those connections. I almost feel like they need to make it a little more black and white for the fans that yes. don't have that, you know, that connection with the actual series itself. Uh, but yeah, but talking about all that, where do you think we go? Where where do you think is Ray's future with this? Because we're not—I don't think—we're not—we're not going to get any more movies out of her. Right. This is all going to be either cartoon based or it's all going to be comic book based or, or book based. Do we will we have something relatively close to the end of this movie, or do you think they're going to go? 10, 15 years out before we actually get some type of, well, not not time, not real time, but like like movie time. Say, for instance, they jump forward ten years and we get a book, say a year from now, about you know her character and where she's going from and her adventures. I feel like it would be a missed opportunity um, to not see Ray because put a new Jedi Order together because I just feel like that's an interesting story. I mean. The, the kind of the same way, you know, post-Return of the Jedi, when Luke was kind of back to square one, it's like, all right, we won, now what? Like, that's an interesting story. Um, the Jedi were wiped out years ago. The Sith are finally, you know, well, you thought they were defeated completely in Return of the Jedi, but at least they were put on ice for 30 years. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think just the same way that I would love to see an animated series with uh, younger Luke building the Jedi Order... Um, you know, I almost would almost look more forward to seeing that with Ray because you know how Luke's order turned out uh, didn't end so well. Yeah. Uh, but with but with Ray, there's that spark. You know, I would love to see this new Ray with double bladed yellow lightsaber, passing on the knowledge from those Jedi books. You know, speaking with Force Ghost Luke here and there for some wisdom, and really kind of building a a, a better order, a new order um, that that goes on properly. And I, I don't know. I think it's too interesting. There's too many um, uh, stories to tell there. I, you're right. I don't think we'll see a movie. I, I honestly don't think we'll see a movie ever, unless something transpired where they tried to do the, these old Republic movies or something said in the distant future, and they just totally bomb, so they have to go back to the well <laughs> and dump a bunch of money into Daisy Ridley's, you know, backyard. Like, yeah. please come back and just be back right. Back up to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Unless that happens, which, hey, you know, stranger things have happened. It, it could possibly happen. But uh, I definitely think you're going to see either a new comic book line or a few novels where we, we see that story play out yeah as much as i wasn't interested in her in the first movie the more and more i gained interest in her definitely upon this movie here i think yeah. i even you know, mentioned that in our last uh, podcast here but uh are, do you think though if they go ahead and they have her form this new you know lack of a better way of saying it, jedi you know council or temple and everything are we just in the rinse and repeat motion though are we like oh will they never learn from from history I think that's got to be part of the story. You can't do the same thing twice. I, th- I think that has to be baked in. So if they do this story and they don't address the fact that the old Jedi Order totally just, like, you know, crapped the they bed. Became, they became arrogant. <laughs> they became blind in their own ways and having power, and they didn't would not want to lose that power. And that's yeah. why I believe that. That's, that's a strong belief of mine on why they did not see uh, Palpatine right in front of their face. They were in the same office with him in many occasions right and did not see the wolf in the room that has to be a portion of ray's character going forward is her struggle of not only starting this new jedi order but doing it in a way and setting up guidelines and rules um that are different to where they are a more successful more enlightened 
Jedi. Um, maybe not gray Jedi, maybe not, you know, totally, you know, messing with the dark side of the Force, um, but at least not having such restriction with connections. Um, I, you know, I think the main reason that Anakin fell to the dark side is because the Jedi were not about, were just really not cool with him having a relationship with Padme. Like, imagine if Anakin was able to marry and have kids with Padme and it not being a big deal. Do you think we'd ever see Darth Vader? I don't think so. Why not? Because he would have always been happy. Yeah. There so, wouldn't have been that conflict, you know, brewing in him. There was always that conflict between uh, duty and self. Right. Um, so if you were able to become a light side user and also embrace um, the feelings that you have towards your companions, your friends, your your colleagues, your 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 war buddies, I mean, and I think what this sequel trilogy does really well, especially in this movie, is solidify the relationship between our three main characters, Ray, Poe, and Finn, um, which the other movies didn't necessarily do because they were kind of struggling on different paths and had different scenes and weren't around each other as much. Um, but, you know, I did notice this viewing at the very end where the Rebels, or the Resistance anyway, are back in this forest planet and they're just celebrating and running to, to, towards each other and hugging and crying. The three of them embrace together. They have like a, a three-person group hug and you feel it. I mean, you feel like these three are connected and I think you have to carry that going forward to where you don't shut off your relationships with people. You don't shut off, you know, the feeling of love and friendship that the old Jedi used to. You have to embrace that and, and go forward. Okay. I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, you know, right here. I mean, for, for good reason. I mean, the majority of the movie is kind of centered around her and this yeah. uh, other character here, guy, Kylo Ren or ben solo however you want to look at him yeah the other uh, half of the force dyad right yeah right uh you see him I and mean, what i wanted out of him was what i knew we weren't going to get yeah. because i wanted him to be the big bad you know guy right out the gate that would come ahead and you know come at everybody and i wasn't going to get that because i knew disney wasn't going to go ahead and get rid of basically daisy ridley's character because they would have had to get rid of ray yeah. Ray would have had to been someone, the character that would have had to die in this movie for us to get that uh, Vader-ish type character, which we weren't going to get. Right. But I mean, seeing the the basically the the pulling back and forth, him not knowing, uh, am I do I want to get rid of my parents? Do I want to kill Han and Leia? What you see, he did not want to kill Leia. No, because he didn't. He didn't pull the trigger. No, he couldn't do it. And but but on the flip side of that, he had absolutely no problem sucking in Han and just you know sabering him. <laughs> yeah, that could be um, just you know Ben Solo's personal issues. Maybe he had a better relationship with his mother than he did with Han Solo. Yeah, daddy problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be. Um, but yeah, we start with him, and he's basically. I mean, the crawl is he's they're hunting down Palpatine. They hear his voice. He's trying to find one of those uh, Sith Wayfinder. Wayfinder, yes. To get to to get to Exegol, and he gets one. He winds up on Exegol, and he has his first run in with Palpatine. Now, and this is where we get the first glimpse of seeing clone Snoke's on the wall. Yeah. So we find out Snoke was nothing but a a puppet. Yeah. And basically, basically, he was. It was just basically Palpatine, just you know, putting himself out there in some type of you know physical form without needing to sit there himself. And they have that conversation, and you know the whole. You know he has his own fleet to be able to take over. He just has to get rid of Ray. 
Exactly, yeah. I mean, he pulls um, Kylo even further into the dark side at the beginning of this film uh, you know, with the promise of, hey, you can be the new Emperor. Um, not only do you have the First Order, but I have the Final Order. Take a look at <laughs> take a look at these ships. <laughs> yeah. What do you uh, think of them coming fleet? up kind of like from the ashes? From the death type setup? I thought it was like, thematically it was very cool looking, but you're right, I don't know logistically how that works, if they were all like buried under the planet somehow, um, I don't know, maybe they had some Star Destroyer factory that was actually underground and they just decided to, uh, you Instead know. Instead of opening up the bay doors, they kind of just came through the earth? <laughs> yeah, the maybe, crust. like, like zombies from the grave, I don't know, but, uh. Uh, like this I said, will make them shit their pants. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I never really thought of it how that works, but uh, I don't know. It was pretty cool looking. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if you if you think too much of these movies, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna keep talking and thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. We we can't get enough. But yeah, with Kylo, I mean, he has some really dramatic scenes in this movie too. Like you said, I mean, he's being pulled. Uh, through the, out this entire trilogy, kind of being pulled to the light side, the same way that Anakin was being pulled to the dark side here and there, he just couldn't, you know, escape this dark side pull. Um, Kylo, no matter how hard he tries, he just can't seem to escape the light side pull. Like he, he's trying and his darndest to forget about the love for his mother and father and the regret that he feels and about the way things went down. But um, Ray kind of calls him out in this uh, during one of their Force visions, their uh, Force time sessions. Uh, where it's like, hey, you know, I, I can sense all you can think about is when your father died and how that went down. And he doesn't deny it. Like, um, And we see that after a very epic duel on the uh, ruins of the second Death Star, in this, uh, which I found out was actually another moon of Endor. It wasn't Endor, and it wasn't the forest moon of Endor, uh, but this, I guess the Death Star pieces had fallen on this separate moon. I guess its gravity pulled a lot of the Death Star junk towards it. So uh, everybody breathe a sigh of relief. The Ewoks are safe. They're fine. <laughs> no uh, flat Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but we, we go through this epic duel, um, and this is, you know, a ton happens in this duel, right? I mean, uh, what I love to see was that uh, you really get to see that these two are equals in the Force. Maybe Kylo has more training. Of course, he has more training experience. But this fight, you just see them get winded. You don't see Jedi fight to the point where they just don't know what to do anymore because every move that they make is counteracted by the other person. Yeah, it's a and complete they, standstill. Yeah, they both slow down. It's like, what do we do here? Like, we're both equals in the Force. I don't... I don't know. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> yeah, the fight with the waves crashing in the back and over, and you see the lightsaber, you know, hitting. Yeah. Uh, Ray doing like a backflip onto another area, then Kylo Ren walking with his actual lightsaber. It was you know, totally through, cool. Through, I mean, visually, I mean, it was spectacular. And I, I did say this on the other one. It was just missing that John Williams score. Yeah, that's I, the only piece. I agree. Yeah. It was. I mean, I was. I wanted to hear something like the Duel of Fates. Right. Something to make it iconic. And or even it, something new that was catchy, new that would stick in your head. I would have taken that too, but there was really nothing. It was just kind of background to help the emotions, um, I guess. But, um, I mean, the way that this duel ends, and this is the part of the movie where Leia does kind of sacrifice herself to uh, to speak to, to Ben, uh, you know, through the Force, and he hears her immediately stops what he's doing and ray takes that moment to stab him with his own uh, red bladed lightsaber puts a hole right through him and right after she does that leia finally you know breathes her last breath 
and that's when Ray feels her loss in the Force as well, and she says Leia, and she, um, you know, essentially she uh, disignites the red lightsaber, and uh, she immediately kind of comforts the the collapsed Kylo and does her Force heal trick to, uh, you know, heal his wound. There's a part of me that was happy that you know she got him. I wanted some closure on one side or the other. Yeah. So I mean that big that big battle, that big epic battle, we needed. You can. A stalemate's hard to actually become without someone actually getting either getting completely away or something actually happening. Yeah. I mean, Darth Maul was chopped in half and he fell. I mean, at that point, that was a pretty good closure. Oh, yeah. Or, or so we thought. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, her force healing him kind of left me thinking, okay, now where? She's finally right. gotten a, She's finally gotten across to him. You can see the connection there. Okay, what happens next? I mean, are they going to be at odds with each other? And then you kind of see him shed the whole uh, Kylo Ren thing, and he goes to straight Ben Solo. Yeah, well, she tells him, you know, you know, you did offer me to go with you. You did offer me your hand um, in the last movie. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but <laughs> that's what happened. Um, and I did want to go with you, but I wanted to go with Ben. And that's what she tells him before she takes off in his TIE fighter uh, to go back to Octo uh, to visit Luke. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, Kylo has all this time to kind of sit there and reflect, let his injury heal, and he finally kind of stands up and he hears the voice of uh, Han Solo, you know, hey, kid. And he turns around, and um, this is another uh, shot that kind of mirrors uh, a previous shot in, in the last film, in, in The Force Awakens anyway, uh, with Han Solo and Ben Solo standing on that railing where he where he takes his dad out. They're kind of standing in that same exact position, shot, uh, you know, almost the exact same way. Um, and at first I was confused. I Well, it's like, is Han Solo a Force ghost? What is this? But second viewing, you, you really kind of get the understanding that this is really just in, in Kylo's, well, now Ben, Ben Solo's head, just remembering his father, and he, he sees him the way he last saw him in The Force Awakens. Yeah, actually, I love that scene. I oh, thought yeah. it, was, it was basically full circle for Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren Ben, how yeah. you want to look at him at this point. It shows him making that you know that that full full turn back yeah and i mean he basically his lightsaber is gone at that point and he's making that decision you know what i'm now going to help ray you yeah know, on, and on her endeavor it was a great scene and i know you and i going to the movie we were not cool on the idea of kylo ren going back to the light side and becoming ben solo but I think the scene actually it was a success the way they did it and the way um, I, there was something that I noticed you know this time around where um, Ben is about to say something he says you know dad and um, you know he says I, I know what I have to do I'm not strong enough or I don't know if I'm strong enough to do it you know which is what he said in, in The Force Awakens but at the very end he says dad and he kind of trails off with tears in his eyes and Han looks at him and he says I know yeah so uh, which is you know perfect for han solo that's what he says when somebody says i love you he just says i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you get the feeling that you know that ben was about to say dad i love you and han says i know and then he's gone and that's the point where um uh, ben you know chucks the lightsaber out to the ocean and uh, you're right that's when he decides to uh, make his move and be ben solo and and help the resistance now you brought up his lightsaber did you ever realize why his lightsaber was a crackling red rather than a solid red i thought i heard something that maybe the 
kyber crystal was cracked. Yeah, that was it. The kyber basically he cracked the kyber, kyber crystal, and that's why it was always a crackling uh, yeah. red blade rather than a solid red blade. Apparently, he's not the first one to have something like that. As something goes way back in the you know, the legends. Oh yeah, uh, but I, I never caught that. And then I was watching. I was reading a little bit more. I'm like, oh, that's that's why that there was a reason behind that. That wasn't just for a uh, a movie trick. Yeah, I mean, like everything with the sequel trilogy, it could it took me a couple movies to really warm up to Ray and how powerful she was and her as a character. It also took me a couple movies to really get into Kylo's character and just how cool he was. But his, I gotta I gotta say, his lightsaber. It was pretty awesome, and the way he fought with it, like like a long sword, just kind of like behind him, and how he was able to like almost kind of push the lightsaber behind him and through guys. How he, I mean, he used it like a like a claymore, like a uh, you know like uh, William Wallace did in Braveheart. Like uh, it was pretty pretty. It bad. was long claw. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, he he was never concerned about those two little pieces popping out in the side. He was never going to catch himself with them. <laughs> no. That'd be my worry right there. Whoops! There goes my kidney. <laughs> So you did kind of bring him up earlier, the other three characters. You have Finn, Poe, and, I mean, Chewie? I mean, what, what are these? I mean, they're, they're really the big ones. I mean, there were some other ones. Yeah. Uh, Rose was one that really didn't get a whole lot of play in this movie, and people no. were kind of up in arms about. But uh, I feel like her, her character in The Last Jedi got basically a full arc. I mean, there really wasn't... I, I, didn't think, I didn't think we had enough time to give more of her character when we had the growth of the other characters that were still needed. Yeah, and um, it's funny because this movie is breathless. It just keeps going and going and going, and it's at that typical Star Wars length of, you know, two and a half hours. At the end of this round, though, I honestly thought that they could have fleshed it out even more with another, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes or so just with Rose's story to give her at least something to do. Maybe she's the one who tells Finn how to bring down the uh, communication tower or something, considering, you know, when we last see her, she says that she's studying the old debt, you know, the old star destroyer plans um but yeah they kind of uh, you kind of forget about rose uh which is a shame and, and it's also kind of weird that uh, finn has like yet another girl like he's interested in um he's got he, rose right and no this this other ex-trooper he's a little player <laughs> yeah finn kind of gets around doesn't he but um i don't know as far as these characters um I, you know once again this movie kind of solidified for me the this uh trio uh this group um, how do you feel about the these characters' arcs, specifically with Poe and Finn in this movie? I, I like Poe. I mean, I like Poe a lot more than I did when he, once again, just like Ray, a yeah. lot more than he first started. He, fe- he seemed a lot more scumbaggish in, you know, uh, Force Awakens. Right. And, and, and he kind of was. I mean, he even said himself, I mean, they've done a lot of things that they're not proud of. And if this goes to for not, I mean, why did they do these things? Yeah. So, I mean, you see the kind of the arc of his character from being that kind of dirtbag type guy to now being General Poe. I mean, he's he's the guy in charge. So, I mean, if I mean, if there's going to be a new type of, uh, you know, government or something like that, he's basically going to be one of the head guys that's going to be there, even with his, his shady background. Because, I mean, what he did in the first one and then you know, Last Jedi, I mean, he, he pulled a full-fledged mutiny oh, yeah. in that movie. To go ahead and, and basically it was just, I, and I think the reason Leia wasn't that upset with him, it was he was doing it for reasons he thought was best to survive or keep everyone alive. Right. I think they even addressed that with with Holdo as well when they said, you know, uh, he's a, he's a troublemaker, but but I like him. 
Yeah, I mean, what are the rebels if not troublemakers, right? Exactly. Uh, Finn, I I loved Finn. Oh, yeah. I loved Finn actually getting some more backstory, finding other people that felt the exact same way and basically left the exact same way. Yes. Because he wasn't going to pull the trigger when we first seen him on that planet to you know, mow down all these innocent people. Right. Come to find out there's other stormtroopers that refuse to do the exact same thing. Yeah, a whole squad that made that same decision to, to yeah, stand so up seeing, and not do it. Yeah, so seeing that he's not alone in that aspect, uh, I, I liked. I really liked that. that. Basically, that right there, I think that gives Finn's character the ability for more growth outside oh, sure. of the movie. Because they're going to go down. There's going to be comics. There's going to be books about this. How how he does. I, I don't think he's going to stay with uh, with Poe and Ray. I don't think I, so either. I think he's going to stay with this group of people that are basically his kin. They're, they're his yeah. group. that they, they relate to each other on a level that he can't relate to the other. Now, I don't think he'll be a stranger. But right. I think he's going to stay away. And he's going to go ahead and forge his own path with this group of people. Yeah, and I think he. I think you're right. Going forward, I think he'll be um, a vessel for helping maybe these ex Imperials, these ex First Order people. You know, there's still a ton of them out there. Uh, maybe helping them get over their their feelings of connection toward the Empire or dealing with some post traumatic stress. I mean, what better way to kind of like spend the rest of your life besides kind of like healing the wounds that war creates? You know, I, I think that's a definite future. And I got to be honest, like. In this movie, I kind of saw the solidification of his arc over all three movies, where in The Force Awakens, he was, you know, a scared stormtrooper who just couldn't keep being a stormtrooper, and he's kind of playing off and uh, and telling people that he's with the rebellion or with the resistance. Um, in the second movie, he has this real kind of, like, internal struggle with, you know, you know, I'm surrounded by all these heroes that actually, you know, actually do care and, and do give a darn, and I'm this fraud that's actually a stormtrooper, and I haven't really done much of anything. And then in this final movie, he actually takes charge of this ground crew um, that are, you know, riding these alien horses across the bridge of the Star Destroyer to kind of take that down. He takes command of this group. And uh, one of the final scenes when they're all celebrating together on this forest planet, there is a moment where he pauses and it kind of he, he takes a moment to reflect and, and look at all the people around him that he helped save and that he's a part of. And he, I think he comes to the realization that he is actually this rebel hero, this resistance hero that he claimed to be in the first one. Like he did it. He smiles at himself, you know, feeling proud. And uh, I thought at the end of it, it was just a great arc after, uh, over all three movies. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I mean, all these characters, I wasn't fond of when the you know the first movie started. Yeah. But by the end of this last one, my opinion on all of them uh, pretty much has completely changed. Which, yeah, and I'll, I'll be sad if I don't see, you know, what they do after this movie. <laughs> yeah, and that leads us, I mean, it leads us to Chewie. What, what what does Chewie do? I mean, where does Chewie go with this? He still has the Falcon. Right. I'm assuming he's going to stay with the Falcon. And I'm also going to make an assumption that Ray is going to want to stay with the Falcon. So they're kind of going to be the new Han and Chewie. It'll be Ray and Chewie, which we've kind of seen in the past. Right. But now he doesn't owe a, a life debt to anybody yeah. anymore. So will he, will they go back to Kashyyyk and yeah. try to, you know, rebuild the... Uh, the the Wookiee Empire there, yeah, so I you, think there's a, there's a lot of things that are there are open for just that planet of Kashyyyk and Chewie. 
gosh, can you imagine? Chewie's got to be just like legendary status on Kashyyyk. Like when he comes home, <laughs> do you th- what kind of celebration do you think they throw when when Chewbacca comes comes home? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's their leader. He's their he's their for lack of a way of saying it, they're God. Yeah. <laughs> He's taken down basically two Death Stars, a Starbase Killer, yeah. and the Emperor, and the, the Empire, and the First Order. <laughs> and it's it's funny, whenever you read things in, in some of the uh, the Legends books and some of the, uh, the canon outside of the movies, uh, whether it be comic books or Leeds novels, anytime a character within that galaxy talks about the duo of Han and Chewie, they always talk about Chewie kind of being the brains of the outfit and Han being, you know, just kind of the smug ass, but Chewbacca's the one who's adored across the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, Han can't even be the muscle between those two. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I... I'd like to see more of Chewie. I mean, of all the characters, really, that we've seen throughout all these movies, I'd like to see where Chewie goes. I'd like to see Chewie become himself. Yeah. Uh, and develop an, an actual character arc on his own, rather than being linked to the hip of somebody. But if he wants to go ahead and stay with Ray, I would have no problem with that. If he wants to be a part of actually, you know, starting this new order, I can see him being right there by her side. Right. Just a, kind of like the, the, the muscle. Make yeah. sure if something doesn't go bad, he can put a stop to it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, he's so loyal. He has great scenes in this movie too. I thought the whole the whole switcheroo was kind of questionable, where he thought he was dead for maybe five minutes and then that realized he's not. Yeah, that was really cheap. But there's a moment where he finds out when he when he lands back on the planet um, where the uh, resistance were hiding out on, and he realizes that Leia's passed away. He oh, just he collapses to, his, to knees. his knees and screams, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" You really feel for this guy in this big walking carpet. <laughs> well, he <laughs> lost really his best friend. Yeah, and now he just lost. I mean, equally, you know. And then Luke is gone too. So in yeah. reality, he's the last one standing. Yeah, this was his family. Um, and, you know, Ben Solo, the last connection, he's on the dark side. And he, I don't know if there's ever any forgiveness there, even if Ben Solo did uh, live through this and live to see Chewbacca in person another day. He better uh, let the Wookiee win. Terms. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, so, you know, kind of last but not least here is just, you know, the, the big bad guys, uh, the group of bad guys in the sequel trilogy, The First Order, uh, which were to become the final order in this film. Um, what does that look like? Um, past episode nine, uh, I, I think it's going to be the same way what they did, kind of with the Empire. You yeah. can, I mean, there's there's always going to be factions in other areas. They're not going to be. I, I didn't feel like the whole First Order fleet was on Exegol. No, because basically the fleet that you know Emperor Palpatine brought up took up most of you know what was there. I mean, it was uh, it was crazy. Yeah. But uh, so I, I feel like there's a lot of First Order fleet out there and i don't feel like this was particularly yeah the end of it i think this was just like taking down the second death star yeah this was you know the end of the main battle so you won the you know the war but there's a lot of little battles that still need to take place to go ahead and you know free other worlds up and just kind of it's over time it will be just kind of like the aftermath series kind of uh highlighted there's there's a period of time in between you know the last big battle and then what takes place afterwards. 
Yeah, I gotta imagine you're right that there are still pockets of the first order or this final order that are still out there, and um, you know it's there are gonna be some some aftermath to to clean up that those final pockets, right? I think that is the case, but um, those are stories for another time, I assume, and we'll figure out what's next for Star Wars and, and Disney Star Wars and the new canon and between TV shows and comics and and whatever new movies they decide to put out in the theaters. I'm sure we'll we'll find out more information as far as what the galaxy looks like post-Rise of Skywalker. But, I mean, this is really the end right now. The Mandalorian is done. Uh, yeah. the, the The Fallen Order, that's out, that video game. You have, you know, the Rise of Skywalker, that's over. I mean, we're, we're going to fall into a void of, like, no Star Wars stuff outside of books, which I, I just downloaded two books. I'm getting ready to go on a long tar- car ride. I'm going to be good. <laughs> we do have a new season of Clone Wars starting in February, and then after that, there's going to be nothing until Mandalorian Season 2. <laughs> oh, they gave us a time frame of February. Yeah, it's coming out so in February. You ha- so you have till February to catch up. <laughs> yeah, um, I was th- I was thinking about that. I, that's, um, I don't know if I'll have you prepare me a list of, like, some like specific episodes I should watch, or if I should just try my best to binge watch all those seasons. Of Clone Wars. It's really hard to say specific episodes, depending on what they wind up doing with this final season. Right. I have no idea the way they're going to go. So what I'm going to wind up doing is sit down, and I'm just going to watch them. I'm just going to go through them. Uh, they're only 20 minutes a pop, so you can you know watch three of them or so comfortably in an hour without feeling like you drained yourself. Yeah. But uh. I'll say go through them. I mean, there's some really good ones. There are some that are kind of like, bleh. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's pretty much what we got going on here. There's going to be a little bit of time in between our next couple episodes here, uh, seeing that I'm going to be out of town here. And I think we're going to go ahead and we're going to be changing platforms on what we're recording on. So there may be a little bit of growing pains as well. But uh, stick with us. Uh, we'll be there. We'll keep you guys updated on uh, on Facebook, you know, like we normally do, on uh, how we get this. And, and now, it, it it may not be this month. It may be next month, but we're we're getting to that point in time where we're like, you know, we're outgrowing what we're doing, and we need something that's a little more uh, big boyish. Yeah, Chris and I have been talking about it. Um, you, you know, this first part of the year is typically fairly slow. You kind of get back to the grind January, February, March. Um, we're hoping to maybe do some upgrades, whether it be to the website, whether it be to the actual podcast capturing system that we use here um, to, uh, you know, put out a better product for you guys. So we'll be working on some things behind the scenes for sure. But, I mean, there's that going on. and um, Some movies coming out here. We have... Bad Boys for Life coming out. Now, we, me and him, me and Sean were just talking about this, making plans for when I return from West Virginia. <laughs> we go ahead and get together and watch this movie. I don't know if anyone else is more pumped than we are. I know when we were watching the movie trailer, when we went and seen Star Wars together, we were both laughing. I don't know if oh, anyone yeah. else was laughing. We were enjoying the theme, just, just the trailer by itself. I so feel that, like Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence actually made this movie just for us because I don't know if anybody else that's excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> if it was really ever even needed, but we were like, "Give us more. We need some more, uh, more Mike. We would yeah. go to Michael Mike, Mike Lowry, <laughs> Mark Burnett. <laughs> what the shit I'm in? Uh, no, World <laughs> One. <laughs> oh man, but uh, go on iTunes, go on whatever platform you guys are listening to this for us. Uh, subscribe to it, rate our show, um, spread the word. I mean, that, that's all we can ask for you. And based on you know how things are going up and down, that. Uh, we appreciate it. It's awesome. 
And uh, lastly, I'm Chris at DadNewRock.com. And I'm Sean at DadNewRock.com. And uh, maybe next time around we'll talk about something other than Star Wars. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're getting out of yeah, hanging what we talk about here. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on. We have a uh, whole lot of Star Wars content left. So, uh, well, I think it's a good point to go ahead and say this is the Dad and the Rock podcast signing off for our first episode in 2020. McClunky. I have spoken. Ha, ha, ha.